This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. We're back in the lab with Reggie and Luke. Another episode of Superior Sports brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network. What's happening, Reggie? What's up? What's up, man? We uh, we got a decisive game five tonight, and I was reading a stat. Every team who wins game five has an 82% chance of Ooh. winning the series. So four, better than four out of five. If you win this game tonight, better than four out of five chances you're taking this series home. Yep, yep. So when we say it's decisive, you know, Bam. people like to say, oh, you know, let's not use hyperbole and all that. But no, like, it kind of is. Like, you know, right. it, it kind of dictates. And wouldn't it be cool if the Wolves can win tonight and then come back on Friday on their oh. home floor and take the thing home? Man, th- does this state not just deserve something special like that at home, no less, for the, for that crowd, for those fans to be able to enjoy something like that? Uh, Do it for be, the people. Would be unbelievable. Do it for the people. All right, yeah, like Reggie said, <laughs> jam-packed show for you guys, putting Cat in Game 5 under the microscope. Minnesota Vikings front office, what they better not do during this weekend's NFL draft. And everyone's favorite segment, what does it mean, with their very own Reggie Wilson. I'm putting Reggie on the hot seat, covering all the latest hot topics in Minnesota sports. It's all coming up on Superior Sports Talk. But first, make sure to check out our other daily show on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. It's the Ron Johnson Show featuring former gopher and NFL receiver Ron Johnson and producer Sam Ekstrom. Get the daily opinions of an athlete turned broadcaster. Ron Johnson tells it like it is, whether it's Vikings, Gophers, Wolves, and Twins. Subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube channel or podcast feeds so you never miss an episode. All right, when it comes to the Timberwolves and dissecting their playoff series, nobody gets more attention on the court and in the media than the leader, Carl Anthony Towns. Towns, who had entered the season with just one playoff appearance in six seasons when they were manhandled by the number one seeded Houston Rockets in 2018, losing four games to one, has often faced questions of his emotional immaturity during his career and ability to put the team on his back and carry the franchise deep into the playoffs. Between the Clippers and Grizzlies in the last five games, Cat has put up a few clunkers and been a no-show in three of those contests and forced his teammates to pick up the slack when he's been out of sync. However, game four, we talked about it a few days ago. He got angry. You saw the real Cat stand up, putting 33 points up, 14 boards, flashing that ability again to be the true leader in critical situations. Reggie, it's year seven now. Many say he's the best most talented big man in the league and questions still remain about that emotional ability to become the head boss on a young team like Minnesota that needs it, especially in the playoffs where Cat's career again is now just three and six in postseason play. My question for you is just how pivotal is this series going to be when we look back, when the dust settles, when we evaluate Cat's overall abilities as the leader? A legacy may be a strong word this early in his career, but how does that change if they win? And what does it look like if they let this series slip away? 
so I'm not big on making these big sweeping, you know, things about these players. So what's interesting about Cat is, you know, yeah, it's year seven, but, you know, he's still a young guy, man. He's still trying to figure it out. Like, this is only the second time that he's made the postseason in his career. And to really kind of, like, define a guy by his second ever, like, playoff series is kind of messed up don't you think like I feel like it's it's not fair to him as a player to really kind of define you know what his career is and who he is based on this one you know experience like his one real meaningful experience as the guy because you know the first time it was kind of like this is Jimmy Butler's team and now it actually is Cat's team, and he's figuring some things out. He's had some clunkers. He's gotten mad. He stormed out of pressers, you know, you know, upset. And, you know, this is just all a part of, I feel like, the maturation. Now, what I think it does do is if he does lead his team to a series win, I do think it kind of, like, gets his detractors off of his back a little bit because there seems to be so many of them. And I think that was one of the interesting things that I thought when I was kind of seeing the 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 narrative surrounding him uh, after some of the bad games that he's had. A lot of people were just so quick to just dunk on him, you know, like, there's a lot of people that wouldn't be able to dunk on him in real life, you know, but there's a there's a lot of fans that were and and other just like national media pundits and all that just kind of like just really like giving him a hard time for his performances. And I think you kind of got to give him a little grace to to figure things out. And I think what he's showing is that he can and he will, you know, he, he has been a little too emotional at times. He he has been a little too erratic at times with his play. You know, he has been a little too foul troubled with his play. But, you know, I think what the last game showed is that he is capable and he can figure it out. And I think he is figuring things out. Now, he could come out tonight and, and have another clunker and, you know, have people all upset with him. I saw people saying that he should be traded. I'm like, you guys are crazy. Are you crazy? Yes, you're crazy. Because, like... <laughs> Like the guy like has shown like his ability. He's proving his mettle in the postseason right now. Like the hope is is this is the start of a a long stretch of meaningful playoff runs for the Timberwolves and you would hope to see that there won't be several playoff X's in the first round. You you would hope to see that this team will continue to glue and mature together and and start to figure things out and really start to win. I mean, Anthony Edwards is going to be uh, even better moving forward. You could be talking about Cat and Ant forming the new age Kobe and Shaq type situation. You know what I mean? Like, those two guys are, are on the rise. And so I think it's tough to really just kind of, you know, peg this as being a, a some type of, of defining series for Cat because I still feel like he's figuring things out. I mean, I love rooting for Cat. Again, ultra-talented, makes the league a better league to watch. Young, fun, exciting, makes everybody around him better. But 
I think, again, when you play devil's advocate, is it fair? Probably not. But that's just what just is going to happen. That's part of being a professional athlete. That's what the mm -hmm. media's job is going to do. When you're in year seven, it's hard to sit there and say, what, year eight is going to be the magic year, year nine? But I understand what you're saying. He is a young guy. It's great that he's got seven years under his belt, but he doesn't have a lot of postseason experience yet. And it's tough to define somebody's career, certainly at this point, with just mm -hmm. one or two playoff series. Great point, by the way. That was Jimmy Butler's team in 2018. We already know Cat, Ant, Ja Morant. They get all the screen time and attention, but there is a handful of other names that always end up having such a huge impact on the outcome of these pivotal playoff games. We've seen that already. In game four, you can't not mention Jordan McLaughlin comes off the I mean, bench. Yeah. Tightly contested game out of nowhere. Four for four from three, five for six from the floor, puts up a quick but huge 16 points, two boards, two assists, two steals, ends the night with a plus minus, a plus six. Reggie, who's another bench or roll guy you think could be another X factor on a smaller scale like McLaughlin in game five tonight for either team? All right, so I got a couple ideas, but, you know, I think, I think this game tonight is going to be interesting from a big man standpoint. And so I can see Nas Reed coming off the bench and, and playing some big minutes uh, for this team, uh, especially, you know, rowdy, raucous crowd of Cat somehow, hopefully not, but he gets into some foul trouble or something like that. You know, you need a you need another guy. They got Memphis got some bigs, man, with Tillman and Clark and, yeah. and Adams, you know, even though Adams is kind of been yeah, Adams not chicken. even playing. Yeah, yeah he's not really crazy. playing a lot. But but you know, the Wolves kind of have to match those guys and you know reed can kind of bang in there with those guys but i think the the role player that really is the x factor for me and has to be every game is malik beasley you know really didn't do anything in that last game like i don't even think he scored a point quiet. in that last game it was quiet and He's the guy. He's the spark plug. Come off the bench, lighting up threes, you know, driving to the basket, getting to the rim. I, I think he's the guy, especially on the road, that can kind of calm things down. You know, if Memphis goes on, you know, a run or they get a, a big high-energy basket or something like that, he can come back down on the other end, get open, and splash the three from the corner to kind of quiet things down and keep the Wolves going. I'm looking at him. To, to be the guy because he has been that guy really all season. You know, he's come up big in, in big moments all season. It, it's it's cool that they have the luxury of a Jordan McLaughlin to, to come off the bench and give him 16 points in that last game. But thank God for him, you know, because if, if right. he didn't, like, who was? Because nobody else was doing it. And, and they usually, needed every point. They needed exactly. every point, too. And you're and you're looking usually at Malik Beasley to be that guy off the bench. That that's why he's there. And you want to see a little bit more from him tonight. Yeah, I'll give you one more on the other side. People already know the name. You've seen him. Apple Valley native, Tyus Jones. Guy comes off the bench. Always good for double-digit points, helping mm -hmm. create positive plays for his team when he's on the court. Something about playing against the team he grew up watching, maybe, back where he won a state title inside the Target Center. Remember, he was perfect from three-point range during that Game 3 comeback when the Grizzlies came back down 26 points. Don't forget about Tyus Jones. Maybe just another under-the-radar X-Factor. Check them all 
blowout tonight in Game 5 back in Memphis, 6.30 Central Standard Time. Rest assured, Reggie and I will be here tomorrow to break it all down. All right, we're almost there. Just 48 hours to the NFL draft. Woo! Reggie and I are getting ready to discuss what we don't want to see the Vikings do on <laughs> draft night. But first... Do you want smart post-game reaction from insiders that cover your favorite teams? Check out Locked On Sports Minnesota podcasts on YouTube or wherever to get your podcasts. Instant reactions from our Locked On team hosts, along with prominent reporters like Kevin Gorg for the Wild and Brandon Warren for the Twins. No fluff, just 10 minutes of straight analysts after each game. Subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota on YouTube and never miss a podcast. Okay, Reggie. Two more days, 2022 NFL Draft. Arguably, I know you're not a huge draft guy, but arguably the most wild and crazy, unpredictable draft Mm. that we've seen in years. And I'll tell you why. Because we don't know who's going inside the top 10, the top Mm. 5. Even the number 1 pick is still up for grabs and a mystery here on Tuesday morning as we sit here recording. So when it comes to the Vikings, it's even tougher to predict who's going to be there when they're on the clock with the 12th pick. But when they do, after reading all the mocks, uh, listening to the experts, what's a scenario or decision that you absolutely do not want to see unfold when it comes to the new front office and their draft day decisions? I would hope that they don't draft a punter. <laughs> I would hey, hope. There's a good one. It's a, it's a punter class this year. Punter head. It's a good <laughs> class. I would hope. I don't want to get Mel Kuyper on you, but this is a deep class for punters, all right? No, I'm yeah. Teasing. I'm teasing. I, I, I would hope that they don't draft Mike Zimmer. You know, <laughs> I, I just I, – I really think that any and everybody is in play. You know, there are mock drafts. You know, I got notifications on Twitter last night that there are mock drafts that are seeing the Vikings take a wide receiver at number 12, you know. And most people would be like, they don't even need that. But it's like, eh. if your guy, I mean, we talked about it before. If your guy is not there, yep. you know, draft best player available. And if the best player available is uh, Chris Olave or, you know, Drake London or, you know, Gary Wilson falls down, like take the guy, take the guy and, and go and, and put up 50 points every week. You know what I mean? Like, just do it. And so I think what's interesting is you just I, – I can't recall a draft in recent years that I just had no idea what to expect at all. Mm-hmm. Like, no idea what to expect. Like, and the Vikings have that weird spot being at 12 because that last year they were in the midst of being a, a – a middling team and and trying to actually win and get to the playoffs as well. And it's like, there you go. Reward. You get the 12th pick. And I think what's tough is like, there are quote unquote premium picks in the draft, but I just, I'm really not trusting all the evaluations of these guys this year. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't really know. And so like, you know, there are people that are like, well, no, like McDuffie would be a, a great pick at 12 if they lose out on Stingley. And then mm-hmm. there are other people that are like, you don't want McDuffie in the in the pick. He has, you know, s- short arms. He's not tall enough. He's he's this, he's that. That that would be a reach at 12. And it's just like, okay, who's right? right. Who's wrong? 
Right. Like I and and you know, to every year there's some level of that in the draft anyway. But it's just like, man, like I just don't really know what to believe and what to trust. And if it's like that for me, I can only imagine what it's like for Quasi and those guys that are evaluating talent to figure out what the heck do they I mean, they could even grab a quarterback for all we know. Who knows? Normally you go into a year and you know who the number one pick is mm-hmm. almost a month before the draft. It's just so Absolutely. clean cut. You know, maybe usually it's a quarterback, Joe Burrow, somebody like that, right? Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. But then you can start going down the line, the domino effect and go, all right, well, we know what one is. Make an educated guess on two, then three, then four. Mm-hmm. This year, we got no idea who's going number one. And right. even when you go through each position, 22 starting positions, besides Kyle Hamilton at safety from Notre Dame, I think every position, there's no clear-cut number one prospect there either. It's a debate. Is it Sauce Gardner or Derek Stingley? Is it Malik mm-hmm. Willis or Kenny Pickett? Is it mm-hmm. Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker at running back? Ultimately, here's my answer, and, and, and this might sting you a little bit, so put the earmuffs on, Reggie, if you can't handle it. But the draft, <laughs> it's all about value and maximizing mm-hmm. the value of the board, the way that falls according to the depth at each position, given the year, given the class. And I promise you, there's so much depth at wide receiver in the second and third tier that if you pick one at 12, by the time you come back to 46 in the second round, I think Quasi and KOC would be kicking themselves and just see how many great receivers are still on the board staring them mm-hmm. in the face. Guys like Sky Moore from Western Michigan, John Michi, the other Alabama receiver towards ACL, Jahan Dotson from Penn State in the Big Ten, Alec Pierce, Cincinnati. There's Tons of them. I go on and on. Unless he's Jamison Williams, who I think is the next Tyreek Hill, that rare blue chip, can't miss prospect. I think he's a guy that should be talked about as a top five pick, but because mm. of the knee injury, maybe he falls to the Vikings. You should be thanking your lucky stars if he's still on the board at 12. <laughs> if you want a receiver, that's the only name I'll accept. If that's the direction they go, it's a huge wasted opportunity from a value standpoint, which is so much depth and so many big names left staring in the face in rounds two and three later on. I think there's still so many question marks on the other side of the ball, too. You have to go defense one way or the other with that 12th pick. D-line or secondary, add more young talent for Ed Donatel, and then you go offense later on. You can maximize the value of such a rich class. You talked about some people say Trent McDuffie, love him, take him at 12. Trent McDuffie, you don't want him. I think a lot of people with McDuffie, just for example, to round this out, is that they don't like McDuffie at 12, but all of a sudden the same guy would say, oh, but I'll take him at 18 or 20. So mm-hmm. you're talking about really, I mean, what's the difference? If you like a guy, you just take him. Go get your guys, mm-hmm. as I like to say. But I think, again, it goes back to people want to maximize value. The draft is your currency in the NFL. Your draft picks is your bank account, the money, the way you can go get superstars or, or you know trade for a Devontae Adams or Tyreek Hill. And I think, again, GMs and teams and even fans understand how important maximizing that value is. Speaking of the uncertainty of the number one overall pick, again, last three months, 
all Aiden Hutchinson. Mm -hmm. That's the name on the Jaguars card. But all of a sudden, we get to the week of the draft, and here we are. Vegas, of all people, has changed the odds on favorite to Georgia's Trevon Walker, the other premier edge rusher, after his stock continued to rise following one of the most impressive combine workout performances a lot of people have ever seen. So while Walker doesn't have the sack production like Hutchinson, he does have the higher ceiling. So, Reggie, is it the right move for the Jaguars to be leaning towards passing on Hutchinson for Walker? And more importantly, just in general, how important and influential has this combine become for the draft stock of some of these prospects? Man, that combine. That was shouldn't, wild. It shouldn't sway teams one way or another you get four or five years down the road and you go why did i get so caught up in a 40 time you it's, know that's watch my the tape. thing that's my thing watch the they tape put, they put everything on tape yep like they put it all on tape and i do think that you know there's times there are times when you you watch a guy at the combine and you're like oh man like you know because I, I you know i did a i did a story uh where i sat down one-on-one -on -one with boye mafe I love that. All right. Yep. He but he impressed in the senior bowl. He had a couple sacks and he he became the 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 team MVP in the senior bowl. Now that is something that I can get with. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then he ran a 453 40 mm. at yep. the combine. And you're like, "Oh, and so I think sometimes you maybe maybe you watch a guy on film and and you say, oh, well, I just don't know how you know bendy he is or how how athletic you know he truly is. And then you see at the combine that a guy runs a a four five three, and you're like, oh, okay, he's 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 athletic. He's he's much more athletic than I thought he was. Or or oh my goodness, you know that is eye popping athleticism for a guy his size. And so I think sometimes maybe the the combine can aid in you know how you peg a guy, but all we've seen since the really the the latter part of the season, end of the season, Aiden Hutchinson, he's dominating. You know he's he's doing his thing, and you know he's a he's a Heisman hopeful, and you know like everything that we've seen is he's the guy. And now all of a sudden, you know, Georgia, you know, wins and, and you know, it's it's this guy, you know, that is, you know, talented in his own right and Trayvon Walker and and he does great things on on the the naked Olympic side of it, you know. <laughs> Underwear Olympics. I love yeah, it. but but it's like it's like don't Not cite, a, but but you know it'll be a total Jaguars thing to do. What you know they though? they were the they were oh. the only they were the only team that paid Christian Kirk the number that he got paid this offseason. Ruin the market. Like, Ruin they, the market. The Jaguars are gonna Jaguar, yep. and so if I mean I wish them the best with the pick. Obviously, they never want to see anybody like do bad or anything. But like it's like okay if 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 you guys psych yourself out of taking what many believe were you know is a slam dunk in this thing like god bless you for it you know you know do you because it's like <sighs> Joe Burrow you know a couple years ago was the guy 
But there were murmurs back then about, you know, oh, you know, maybe maybe you take Herbert number one, maybe not Burr. It's like, come on, man. And and now we've seen that you really couldn't miss with either guy, but like, don't psych yourself out. Like, we saw all of the the cool things that Burrow did. He put it on tape. One of the best seasons for a college quarterback ever. And all of a sudden you're like, well, I don't know. You know, he he only really had the one great year of prominence mm-hmm. and and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like you do all these. I think that's why the draft process to me is too long because, like, after a while, you know, you you almost trick yourself out of making what you is get in your the, head the a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And it's just absolutely. like, come on, guys. Like, you, you guys knew what the board dictated three weeks ago, two, three weeks ago. And now you get to the week of and you're just like, well, but this other guy, I don't know. I don't know. And and then now now you're looking at a I mean this is a a move. You know, you hope to never be picking number 1, you know, again, but this is a move that is going to radically change the the direction of your franchise. And you don't want to be out there on a whim or on a hunch when you've seen the guy on tape put together the the resume to make him be the number one overall pick and that's Aiden Hutchinson I'll never forget about 15 years ago Vernon Davis showed up he was like you know border first round pick maybe shows up 255 pounds runs a 438 put up 42 bench reps as a tight end and then he ends up skyrocketing up the boards he goes like fifth or sixth overall Mm -hmm. and he had a good career don't get me wrong yeah solid career but Again, the the influence that this combine has on these GM scouts and coaches is is like you said, probably a little bit too much. Trust the tape. Darius Hayward Bay comes in, runs a four three forty. He wasn't even being talked about in the first round. Runs a four three forty. That was back when you know twenty different guys didn't show up to Indy and run these four three forties. Runs a blazing four three forty. He goes seventh overall to Al Davis and the Raiders. Needless to say. Al Davis didn't trust the tape. I think Aiden Hutchinson should be the pick. Trent bulking the Jaguars, otherwise just gift-wrapping. Aiden Hutchinson, the hometown kid to Detroit, the line should be there. very thankful. Send a thank you card over to that. All right. It's going to be the wildest first round, though. I'm telling you, it's going to be a wild, wild first round. Maybe the wildest we've seen. Reggie and I be here Friday, recap all the action. All right. It's that time in the show for my favorite segment when we go around the latest news circulating the Twin Cities and ask our own Reggie Wilson, what does it mean? Reggie, time to go through the gauntlet. You ready to roll? Let's do it. The Golden State Warriors and Dallas Mavericks are up one game away from advancing to the conference semifinals. Suns and Pelicans are tied up two games apiece. What does it mean for the Timberwolves' chances and odds of reaching the big show as you look at the landscape of the Western Conference playoffs as they've played out thus far, just given how each team has looked so far in their respective series matchup? I mean, is there one team that's just blowing you away that's even if the Wolves win this one and squeak by the grip? Man, they ain't getting past Golden State or Dallas or anything. What have you taken away from the playoffs so far in the Western Conference? I think that everyone is beatable in the mm-hmm. Western Conference. You know, uh, if you would have told me this before, I would have said, okay, yeah, nobody's touching the Phoenix Suns. Then Book strains mm-hmm. his hamstring, and now the Phoenix Suns look extra pedestrian. You know what I mean? Like, mm. And now it's just like, uh, like okay, Golden State scares me. 
because, you know, they got this new death lineup with, you know, Poole and Steph and Clay and Wiggins and Draymond. And, you know, Poole is is averaging like 75,000 points a game now in the playoffs. And so, like, that's a little scary to me. But even Denver, you know, beat them the last game. And, and it's like, oh, okay, like even they can get beat. I think what I've seen from the Timberwolves is, you know, as talented as Memphis is, and they are extremely talented, the Timberwolves are talented too. And if they play their game on the floor and not up here, they can beat anybody. And so I think that kind of gives some confidence as we see these playoffs um, play out. Really, the the team, to me, that looks like they are just otherworldly good right now are the Boston Celtics. Mm-hmm. And they're on the other side, so you don't even have to worry about them right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, if the Wolves can get out of this first round and then they got to go face the Warriors, man, mm-hmm. that's a brutal road. But like you said, everybody looks – Beatable. Everybody's got a little bit of kink in their armor. Nobody's untouchable right now. And as you mentioned, the Wolves, as far as talent goes, just top to bottom, mm-hmm. I mean, who's kidding who? If I was an opposing team, this is a team that I would not want to play because right. they got nothing to lose. They're the right. lower seed. Hey, all the pressure's on you guys and the talent. Oh, my gosh, the talent, again, matches up with any team top to bottom. Next one, Wild won again in overtime over the Nashville Predators, 5-4, to four, giving them five victories in a row. Now mm-hmm. with just three games remaining, they're tied with the Blues for second place in the Central. What does it mean for their chances to hold on to that higher seed with the Coyotes, Flames, and Avalanche to round out their schedule? We just Think keep saying, it? man, they, they just got to keep it? winning. They just got to keep winning. And just kind of maybe hope the Blues stub their toe. It was just well, funny because we ran some sound with uh, Kevin Fiala last night on the mm. 6 o'clock show. Mm. And he was just like, man, they just keep winning talking about yeah. the Blues. He's like, they just, <laughs> well, we just got to hope that they stop. Like, Yeah, Wild keep winning, but so do the Blues. Yeah, and, and it's like, dang, man, like, you ever, you ever, like, go hard in your workout? And you're just like, man, I killed it today. I mm. killed it today. You know, and then you look over and this dude is just like totally just showing you up. And you're just like, dang, yeah, just man, jacked. like, I'm, I'm <laughs> over here doing my thing, too. Like, why you why you over here trying to show me up? Like, what, what you doing? Like, it's the same thing with the with the blues. And it's just like, look. Whether or not they they keep winning or not, it just it just makes for a better story, you know. When you when you have to overcome them in the playoffs to to get to where you want to go. Last one, Byron Buxton's two late inning home runs single handedly catapulted the Twins over the White Sox, helping them win four games in a row, three of which Buxton played in. When Buxton is in the lineup, the Twins are six and four on the year. Without him, an underwhelming two and four what does it mean when it comes to just how valuable we talk about it but seriously just how valuable is Buxton to the twins lineup and giving the history do you think they have any shot to be successful if he finds himself back on the DL so what's interesting about this is we were just actually having this discussion in our sports office yesterday mm. Byron Buxton is a dude okay like point blank he's that dude he's the dude he's him he's- He's that dude. He, he's him. And what is interesting is, is like one of my coworkers argued that, you know, he his best 
the best ability is availability. But when he is available, he is showing that he is worth the money that they have paid him. Mm-hmm. Now, the tough part is, is like if he inevitably gets hurt. Now you kind of have to deal with the consequences of not having him. And so I said, well, look, what if Byron misses like 60 games this year? And my coworker Josh was just like, you know, if he's going to produce like he's been producing when he is in the lineup, I think you can maybe live with him missing the 60 games because maybe, mm-hmm. you know, Correa will wake up and, and he'll start to to be a guy that can be dependable in that lineup. And, you know, Sanchez can turn the corner and, you know, the, the other pieces around them you know, can can pick up the slack. Sano can, you know, maybe not strike out as much and, and hit some balls out of the park. But what I think is you, you hope for best-case scenario, which is he misses the least games as possible. But you know with him, health is always a factor. And so it's just like, look, maybe maybe you can you can depend on him to, to stay on the field, but if he if he misses just – I don't know, a fifth, a sixth of the games this year, maybe they can still do what they need to do. Last year and even the year before that, when you looked at the games Buxton played in with the Twins and when he didn't, it was Mm -hmm. insane. I'm talking like on pace to win 91 games versus without him, like 70. Mm -hmm. Like it was wild. And I think you're right. They can squeeze by. I mean, it's just Buxton's style of play, right? He's probably going to get dinged up and miss some games. But if he can just skate by with just, like you said, missing that 15, 20, 25 games, I think you got a shot. Anything more than that starts to get a little dicey. All right, he made it through the gauntlet. Thanks for joining us today on today's episode of Superior Sports Talk. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel and podcast. Join us every day for another episode covering all the hot topics in Minnesota sports. He's Reggie Wilson. Follow him on Twitter at ReggieWilsonTV and on CARE11. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter at Luke underscore Spinman. Tune in tomorrow to Superior Sports, part of the Locked On Sports Podcast Network. Until then, he's Reggie. I'm Luke. Signing out. Peace. Be blessed. Spread love today. This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota.